Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Mandalorian Season 3 Review. Welcome to my review. There will be spoilers in this. And first and foremost, a big thank you to everyone who was participating in the watch parties, watched the breakdowns, had fun with me in all the videos. And I want to continue to have some fun in today's video where we go over my personal review of The Mandalorian Season 3, unfiltered and raw. Okay, so Season 1, extremely exciting. We run into a new Mandalorian, very new story, and it's very Star Wars-esque. It feels like George Lucas Star Wars. And we get this Mandalorian, Din Djarin, who hates droids, you know, uh, very uh, stoic, cold, sullen, cool, like a John Wayne kind of guy. Now, he comes across this bounty, very mysterious by the Empire. Holy crap, but the Empire's been dead for five years. So what's going on here? So he takes the job, and who is it that he collects? Little baby Grogu, a little baby Yoda. Holy moly, were we all surprised. I remember that moment, I remember that night. I wasn't even doing watch parties, I don't think. I was just watching, I'm like, what the freaking hell? Anyways, so we go on, we were already like very peaked, we're very curious on the edge of our seats. Holy crap, another Yoda species. We've only seen two, Yoda and Yadel. You know, not counting, of course, the one from the Old Republic games. So we wanna know who's the Yoda babies, Yoda's actual child? Did Yoda and Yadel get freaky? Why is the Empire after him? Why is this child so heady? What the heck is the reason that they're doing all these experiments on him for? Are they trying to clone him? Is he a clone? What are all these questions? What are all these answers? Taking us into season two, where he's now trying to be reunited with his people. Holy crap, we're gonna go to Yoda's planet. We're gonna find a whole bunch of Yoda. Are they all, like, who are they? Are they all talking funny? Are they all extremely powerful in the force? How many are there? Are they all extinct? Where are their people from? What are they like? Is Yoda super famous on the planet? Or is he like one of the weaker ones? Like, we wanna know all of these questions. Then we get Ahsoka in the mix, and then we get Boba Fett in the mix, and it's just like, boom, 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 boom. Then Luke Skywalker comes in, saves the day. Grogu goes with him. We're left wondering, holy crap, what happens to Grogu now? What happens to Luke? We just saw Luke, you know, not being Luke from The Last Jedi, but being Luke from Return of the Jedi, like Legends Luke. And then we get to see Din take his helmet off sacrilegious what's gonna happen now moff gideon is arrested we had so many questions book of boba fett came out first two episodes were amazing then you know just kind of trailed off and boba became beta fett a little bit and then there was the finale and then you know boba and din teamed up we got some din episodes in there which were really great but then we saw that eventually grogu left luke went back with din with like what this is lame then we get the mandalorian season three and really it's super safe 
there isn't really a threat in the galaxy. Moff Gideon's not around that we know of. Um, we get some episodes of, you know, chasing dragons. We get a little flashback, Order 66. Grogu is saved by Claren Beck. That's really, you know, the, the highlight of that moment. End of episode five, we see that Moff Gideon did escape with the help of some Mandalorians. Who were the Mandalorians? Or was it just, you know, the stormtroopers with Mandalorian armor? We still don't fully know the answer to that, but probably stormtroopers. Then we don't see him until episode seven. We get a Dr. Pershing full episode, not with Mando, and we're really limited on the amount of time that we see Mando and Grogu together. It's really all Bo-Katan, and don't get me wrong, Bo is really cool. I love Bo. I loved seeing her story and her character progression. Loved Katie Sackhoff. She was doing a great job as Bo-Katan. She really sells the character well. So, okay, at this point, I'm like, yeah, I like the characters, but really nothing exciting is happening. It's really quite lackluster, quite boring, to be honest. And Grogu is really pointless in this season, I'm thinking at this point. He should have just stayed with Luke and that would have been much more of a important character development and an interesting character development than, you know, what's going on right now because he's kind of just sidelined for the most part. We get to see the Mythosaur. That was cool. Bo-Katan is mopey in the beginning and we're thinking maybe she, something's up. She's going to switch on us or she's just playing everybody. Then she goes to the armor. She becomes one of the children of the Watch for the meantime and she keeps looking at the Mythosaur sign on, you know, on the wall and we're thinking, okay, she's just playing everybody she's trying to get them all on her side and then she's gonna you know turn everyone when she starts riding the mythosaur then she tells the armor that the mythosaur was seen that she saw it the armor doesn't believe her then a few episodes later she does she's like but you have seen the mythosaur uh what okay so then she rolls with it and uh, basically says that bo-katan is the one to join all of them so finally we go on a mission where Bo is going to band together a lot of the Mandalorians that are out in the galaxy, kind of being just bounty hunters or, you know, guns for hire. Uh, her old crew, essentially, is what she's trying to do. Then we sidestep on this whole, like, Lizzo, Jack Black, Christopher Lloyd. Love Christopher Lloyd. And it was, you know, an episode that I like to have seen if we got, you know, 16 episodes this season. I enjoyed the fact that there were droids, for sure, that are still around from the Separatist era, from the Clone Wars, and they're being utilized for good and for other things, you know, and they have their own droid little bar and all this stuff. It was cute. It was fun. But not for, like, the sixth episode of an eight-episode season that we waited two-plus years for mind you that was originally canceled after a year or prolonged or delayed and then eventually we got the date much later on it felt like it just went by like that and really you know when like someone just keeps talking and talking and talking but really bro said a whole lot of nothing kind of like what happened this season moff gideon comes back in the seventh episode a little bit then we see as Vizla dies unfortunately which i feel like could have been completely sidestepped he could have just walked backwards and kept shooting and then escaped with everyone else so then that brings us to episode eight, pretty much. And I'm leaving out some stuff, you know, but I'm I'm getting to the main things that kind of stick out in, in my mind at this moment without writing everything down methodically in a breakdown. Bro Gideon has been taken by two stormtroopers. Two stormtroopers! I mean, like, there should be an entire squad taking him to the freaking debriefing room, okay? So, of course, he defeats the stormtroopers, Grogu steps in, and really the finale of the whole season, which is really, like, two episodes of conflict, the rest were just super relaxed and laid back, we find out that Moff Gideon was just cloning himself the whole time. You know, a lot of those clones that we saw in season two in those tanks didn't look like humans. A lot of them looked like Snoke or some other sort of abomination. So 
I feel like, you know, the script was maybe changed halfway through the show or something because it just doesn't really make sense unless he was cloning someone else. But he wasn't. He literally said, I'm just cloning myself, the best parts of me, and I'm imbuing myself with the force. So that also brings me to the point, well, it's really impossible to clone force sensitives, just as we learned in Legends, unless they're abolishing that, because why didn't Palpatine just do that? You know, he could have just cloned Darth Maul like a million times and he would have had the most insane army and strap on some Zillow Beast armor on him and game over. He's literally Darth Bane with the Orblisks. So there's that. Okay, Moff Gideon is looking at them on the map, walking towards his cloning facility center with all the clones in the tanks lined up and he's just waiting there. He's just chilling. So he says, I'm going to go get them. He goes this way and he's just waiting for Grogu and Din the entire time and knows that they could potentially be going through this cloned area if he's watching them on the freaking GPS that he has, probably on his watch. And he goes through, and he's just still not doing anything. They go in, they explode all the clones of Moff Gideon, and he still doesn't do anything. They go through the door from the cloning room, and the door closes. And then Moff Gideon's on the other side when he went out this way. So it's like he literally went around to, like, what, what was the purpose of that? Then he says, my clones were imbued with force sensitivity until you smothered them. And it's like, uh, bro, you literally had like 15 minutes where you could have stopped them. You knew where that you had a map to the game. You knew where all the characters were. Bro literally had a UAV to the whole map and could see all of his enemies walking around, doo -doo 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 -doo, seeing where they are. And he knew, and he's just waiting there for dramatic effect, just chilling. So that leads me to think that, okay, either this is just really stupid writing or Moff Gideon's really stupid, or this is indeed one of the stupider clones. Point, point and simple, like he doesn't have a mustache, nothing. So maybe this dude's just a clone, the real Moff Gideon's out there or already left, the one that we saw go that way and then he ended up over there. And he's imbued with the force at this point. So it's like, fights Din Djarin, Grogu fights the Praetorian guards a little bit just by hopping on the scaffold. A pole falls on him like this big and he's having a hard time with the force. <laughs> Then Din Djarin shows up, fights the Praetorian Guards, who are supposed to be extremely powerful, and held their own against Rey and Ben. And look, I got my qualms about the sequel trilogy, no doubt, you guys know this, but Rey and Kylo Ren are leagues stronger than Din Djarin and Grogu. So I'm like, were those different Praetorian Guards? Were these guys just outlaid with the Force? Or I, I, I'm a little bit confused. It just seemed like a little bit of a, a funny game, you know, like if you add those Disney sounds to it, like where Grogu is pulling their weapons away, like what? It's kind of like a cartoon. It's like Looney Tunes a little bit. You know, they're slipping and sliding all over the place. It, it just seemed a little bit, okay, well, I guess. Now what I did enjoy were the unison of the Mandalorians all coming together. I loved that. I loved seeing different warring tribes of the same faction coming together as one for a greater threat or the longevity of their own people. And I loved seeing that. I like seeing people come together, especially when they've been, you know, sworn enemies for their differing beliefs, kind of like, you know, Star Wars fans. So I really liked seeing that the fight in the air against the stormtroopers with Beskar were kind of like the Siege of Mandalore, but in live action. Really enjoyed seeing Grogu protect Bo and Din with the fire, much like Kanan did. So yeah, I mean, they got a happy ending in the end. Overall, happy episode, but it felt like you're watching someone play a video game on the easiest difficulty that was ever, like there's easy and then there was like, wow, you're a noob. You don't know how to use a controller. It kind of felt like that. 
and I'm just wondering what happened this season because the first two seasons were mind-blowingly great and it was literally the only thing that Disney had for a lot of people. A lot of people were saying, I've seen the comments, I've seen the tweets, I've seen so many of you say, I'm just here for the Mandalorian and if that fails, I really don't care anymore about Star Wars. And that's a sad state that we're all, that you know, many of us are in, but that's the responsibility that Disney has to take for their actions and you know, their, their lack of care for what they did with the sequel trilogy, which rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. So overall, I don't think the season of The Mandalorian season three was anything special or spectacular at all like it was for season one or season two. I think it felt really all over the place, disjointed, and just there was no tension. Everything was pretty chill for the most part. Okay, Dr. Pershing didn't have a good time, but are we really all that invested in Dr. Pershing? Not really. It was cool seeing Coruscant again. It was cool seeing the Ralph McQuarrie original concept designs of the fair on Coruscant. But beyond that, I need more, you know, to give me some good Star Wars. There really was no overall threat. And Moff Gideon coming back again. I mean, like, ah, whatever, dude. You know, give me a bigger villain. And something this season was missing was the Force. I know a lot of people are going to be up in arms. He just wants lightsabers. He just wants Luke Skywalker. Yeah, I want what Star Wars is about. That's Isn't that what Star Wars is about? It's about the Force. It's about family ties. It's about lightsabers. A about Jedi and Sith. It's not, you know, just Star Trek. So there's a little bit more to it than just people in space with, you know, blasters and stuff like that. So Grogu didn't really do a whole lot. We didn't learn all that much about him. You know, we had a little Order 66 scene, but, you know, I would have loved if we had gone more in depth in another episode with the story of Grogu and Claren Beck, or maybe even that one episode could have followed Grogu and Kalaren Beck. That would have been sick to me, but it is what it is. So overall, you know, I would give season one a eight out of 10. I would give season two a 9.5. It's really difficult to get a 10 on anything. I'd give season three an overall five out of 10. It was really basic, really safe, and just really didn't have a whole lot of tension whatsoever. What, like the pirates? No. So that's my review of season three of The Mandalorian. Where we go from here, you can watch that in another video that I'll have out for you. But essentially, they've kind of just reset the show, and it almost feels like they may not even continue the show just with the way the characters have ended here. It's like, cool, they're happy, they're safe. Din's kicking his feet up on his new home like Thanos and Grogu's just playing with frogs. Sweet deal, you know, let's see what happens. I mean, we didn't get any announcement of season four at Star Wars Celebration. And I remember when season one was out, there was a announcement of season two or even before season one was out, there was an announcement of season two. So it's like, I'm wondering when, you know, the next announcement's gonna be. So anyways, that's my review of Mandalorian season three. Let me know what your review is. Was I a little bit too harsh? Was I too nice? Lord knows. I await your comments below and I'd love to see what you guys think about the show as well as a whole. Overall, very nice show. Played it safe. Nothing really bad to say about it. I think Grogu will eventually rise to ride the Mythosaur. I think that was really the whole point in the end that he connected with the beast and he was able to make it open its eyes to feel him as it, you know, bellowed. But all that stuff is, you know, pie in the sky. It's far away. And what kind of adventures we have ahead of us with these guys? I don't know. I mean, they can write some really cool stuff because it's quite flexible now at this point. But will they? I guess we'll see. I hope they do. I hope to see a season four. So let me know. Is Moff Gideon alive? Are we going to see Thrawn next season? Is it going to tie into the Ahsoka show? Is the Balin Jedi guy from the Ahsoka show going to be around in this? Is he the antagonist? Are we going to see Luke again? What's going on? What's going to happen with season four? Let me know your thoughts below. What do you think of season three? Love you all. And I'll catch you in the next episode. 
Until then, remember, the Force will be with you always.